chapter 13. I want to once again just thank Pastor for the opportunity to be able to come and preach God's word. And uh, I always enjoy coming. And uh, anytime that I get to teach or preach God's word, I always try to jump at the, uh, it, uh, at the opportunity. So uh, really appreciate it. Appreciate you guys being here, even though you knew that pastor was going to be gone, and you guys still came. All right, good job, good job, and uh, appreciate those watching online as well. So John chapter 13, looking at verse 1, if you are physically able, go ahead and stand with me as what we typically do. John chapter 13, verse 1, and we will go ahead and we will begin. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the fathers had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God. He rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself and that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh Simon Peter and Peter saith unto him, Lord, doesn't thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, what I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Well, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands, my head. And Jesus said to him, He that is washed needeth not to save, save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him, therefore, and said he, ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you. Ye call me master and Lord, and ye say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for this time where we get to come together and open up your word. And God, I pray that you would, your word would be used here tonight. And Lord, that the message that you have for all of us would uh, be a message that we could go and we can take home and use tonight. Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I love Idaho. I love Idaho. If you love Idaho, can I get an amen? Yeah, all right, right? There you go. There you go. Very good. 
I love Idaho. I've been here since I've been in third grade. Rachel was born here and raised here. And with the, the different parts of both of us going to college, we've pretty much lived here our entire life. We love Idaho. I love, I love going and uh, I love the scenery. I love looking up at the forest and the trees. I love the Boise State Broncos. I love, I, I, I mean, I love it. I love, I, I love the people here. I love the fact that people actually let you in, you know, on a lot of several streets. And um, people are nice most of the time. And so I love Idaho. One of, one of the favorite, one of me, or Rachel and I's favorite activities is camping. Camping. Raise your hand if you like camping. All right. Yep. Very good. Very good. Yep. We're we're in Idaho, right? Of course, right? So Rachel loves camping more more than I do, for sure. Okay. She loves it, and she was uh, her family always took her camping every summer, and um, and we enjoy doing it ourselves. So here's the thing. I mean, we love to go into the forest. We love to go into the mountains, into the creek. I love to go fishing. Love to do all of that fun stuff. And when we go, we try to go for several days. We try to go for several days, and it, it's, a, it's a blast. Um, but after a while, there's something starts happening. And I think, I think I'm not alone in this, right? But, I mean, if you go a couple days up into the forest, you go a couple days, especially I, I think about Men and Boys Camp Out. You know, we went a couple of days. There's a strange odor that starts appearing, Right, you start noticing. You start noticing. Wow, I am really dirty. I'm really like, oh wow. Hey, look, I still have dirt on my hands. Or hey, I still have dirt on my clothes. And um, pretty soon after a couple of days, you start realizing, man, I really need to get home. <laughs> I really need to get home. So one of my one of the things that um, that happens is when we get home and everything. We go ahead and we take a shower and we get clean. We wash away all that dirt, that filth, that grime, and um, the smell goes away, which is great. That's uh, probably a, a really good thing. But here's the thing. When you come and after you come home and you get to shower, you get to get refreshed, you get to be cleansed. You get to get cleansed and you get to get all that dirt off of you. And man, feels great. It feels great. The definition of cleanse, it's a verb. It's to make something thoroughly clean. In this scripture, in this passage, God, God is cleansing the disciples. God is helping the disciples. And there's many, many lessons that we'll pull from it, but you have to understand our God is a holy God. We catch a glimpse of his purity and we have to acknowledge it. Isaiah 6, 1 through 5, it says, In the year that King Uzzah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. 
and the post of the door moved and the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, woe is me for I am undone before, because I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, uh, the king, the Lord of hosts. That's just one part. One part that we see where God is called holy. There's another part, John acknowledges his sinfulness and it responds to his awareness for God's holiness. Revelations 1.12, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the son of man, clothed with the garment down to the foot and girt about the paps with a golden girdle, his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as flame of fire, and his feet like unto the fine brass, and as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was of the sun shineth in strength, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid right hand upon me, saying unto me, fear not, I am the first and the last. Here's the thing. Yet even in our sinfulness, God, God commands us to be like him. God wants us to be like him as he is holy. First Peter 1.15, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Here's the thing, in this passage, Jesus knew that his time was coming. He knew, it says, it, it, it says at the very beginning that he knew that his hour is upon us. It says that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world. Jesus knew what was about to happen. He knew about it. And he knew that he had to take this opportunity to teach his disciples a couple more lessons before he goes. A couple more lessons before he goes. He taught them a lesson in both humility and cleansing. And tonight, we're going to take a couple of these events and that a couple of these events in the life of Peter and demonstrate how we ourselves can be cleansed and how we ourselves can go ahead and we can be like Christ. So the first thing is, is we're going to see the ministration, the ministration, verses one, verse one. And it says, it says in verse one, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Here's the thing that in this passage, it's a great example on how we should be, how we should be, how a Christian should act. And that is a servant, a servant leader. And here's the thing you may say, well, Brother Z, I, I, it's hard. I don't know how to be a servant. I don't know how to be a servant leader. That's a new terminology. Well, I mean, is there somewhere where I can go? Is there somewhere I can look? Well, I'm glad you asked because can I tell you the best example of a servant leader is Jesus Christ, is Jesus Christ. So let's take a look. First off, we see Christ's heart, Christ's heart. In Christ's actions, we see his heart for his people. The Bible says, having loved his own, having loved his own, not just for a brief moment, 
It wasn't just a, a, a little bit of time that he loved his disciples. It's not just a little bit of time that God loves us. No, he loved them unto the very end. Jeremiah 31, 3, it says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Ye, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn to thee. Love is a verb. Love is a verb. And, and, and with that, it's, not, it's far more than just a feeling. It's far more than just a feeling, man. I, and, and can I tell you, I, I enjoy, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy Disney just as much as a lot of other people and everything. But can I tell you, I, and I hate to break this to you, but the Disney, the Disney movies, they lie, they lie, they lie. And uh, here's the thing, they they do lie. They tell you to follow your heart. Oh, and oh, if if it makes you good go ahead and and go after the man even though your daddy doesn't approve it, you know it's okay go after the man even though he may be married to somebody else it's okay he was meant for you because of the way that you're feeling it's love that's not what the bible describes love as love is an action and he jesus christ he loves each and every one of us he loves each and every one of us. The love that Jacob had for Rachel is a prime example of how love is. He loved, he loved Rachel so much that he was willing to undergo seven years of toil for her. And here's the thing, once again, God expressed his love the greatest way. We all know this, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Over and over again, we see that love leads to action. Love leads to action. I've, I've, um, I've used this example. If I was to go up and I was to tell Rachel that I love her and I love her and I just keep verbalizing it, but when I come home, I just sit on the couch and watch ESPN all day. I don't talk to her at all. I don't, um, I don't show my love for her. Guess what? It's just words. It's just words. God showed his love to us. God showed his love to us. Out of the love he had for the men he had chosen in this passage, Jesus was about to show the disciples an action on how much he cared for them, how much he cared for them. So here's the thing, you may say, okay, what's with this whole washing of feet? Maybe this is your first time hearing about it. Maybe you don't understand the significance of this, the foot washing process. Well, much in the Middle East, it is hot, it's deserty. And during the time of Christ, the primary mode of transportation was walking, was walking. Um, there was dusty roads and they would walk in the desert all day long. And well, back then they didn't have Nike, unfortunately. They didn't have any Reebok. They didn't have any, you know, any nice shoes. So what they had is they had sandals. They had sandals. And well, if you ever walked in sandals before, especially maybe you've walked in sand and you've walked in dirt before, your feet get dirty. Your feet get really dirty. Some of your feet kind of smells sometime too as well, if you do it for long enough, right? It was considered proper etiquette to wash 
when, you're, when the feet got dirty and you were to step into somebody's house back in the Bible days, it was etiquette to wash both your hands and feet before entering the house of another person. Most would do this task themselves, but in the homes of more, of more well-to-do people, a slave or a low-ended servant would do this task. This task would be set aside for the lowest slave, the lowest servant. So that servant, you would walk in, they would walk in and they would be there with a basin and they would wash. Can you imagine if you had a huge family? That would take a little bit, right? You would take a little bit. Can you imagine all the piles coming in, right? All the piles coming in. All right, well, wait your turn. All right, there you go, Miss Andrea. All right, very good. All right, Ashlyn, yep, very good. Okay, all right, right? And so you would have to, Take your time, and they would wash your feet. Remember, that is only for the servant and the slave to do. Jesus, Jesus, after they were done eating, he girded up his clothes. He, he, he girded up, and he got the basin, and he filled it up, and he started going to his disciples one by one. Can you imagine what the disciples were sitting there thinking? Just imagining Jesus filling up the container, getting the, get, getting the cloth ready. What's he doing? What? Whoa, whoa, what's he doing? Whoa, whoa, why is he coming towards me? Whoa, what, what am I supposed to do? What am I, whoa, he's washing my feet. What in the world? Jesus humbled himself and he washed his disciples' feet. Philippians 2, 7, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in all likeness of men. It was a big deal that Jesus was washing his disciples' feet. I think so, sometimes we just kind of glance over, realize Jesus, the all-powerful Jesus, Jesus who healed the blind, Jesus, who, was the, who is the Messiah. Jesus, the person to come to set everyone free, was sitting there washing some dirty, smelly feet of the disciples. We see Christ's heart. He wanted his disciples to get this lesson. He wanted his disciples to understand that, hey, we need to be servants we need to love each other. And he did that as an example. So we see Christ's heart. Next, we're going to see Christ is humility. Christ is humility. We see that Jesus went and he washed his disciples' feet. And he, the creator of the world, the creator, was serving the created. The Lord himself was willing to do such a lonely task, a lonely task, so question for all of us here. Jesus was willing to do a lowly task. What about us? Are we too good to pick up trash when we see it? Are we too good to want to serve the Lord in ministry? Are we too good to go and talk to someone about Jesus? No, nah, no, nah, you don't understand. No, 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 that family, no, that family, they look like they already go to church. I'm not going to go talk to them. It's, it's fine. Somebody else will go do that. Okay. 
no, I'm not going to go talk to my boss because, I mean, you don't understand, my boss, she's, she, she's a little mean. And, uh, you know, she's not going to want to know about Jesus. Even though, God, no, I'm good. I'm good. Somebody else will do that. God, you're telling me that I need, I should serve on the cleaning team. You don't, you don't, God, you don't understand. I mean, I have one Saturday, you know, it's on a Saturday most of the time. And, you know, I'm busy on Saturday. It's my only day off. No, God, you know, somebody else will do that. God, you want me to serve in the nursery? What? God, no, you're calling the wrong lady. You're calling the wrong, nope, 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 nope. I, I, I have a nursery of my own, actually, at home that I would rather take care of than taking care of somebody else's babies during, during the service. You know what? So many times we choose and tell God, no, I don't want to do that task. I don't want to do that task. Mark 10, 43, it says, but, but so shall it be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life of ransom for many. Jesus Christ was, telling, was showing his disciples that they need to be humbled. They need to be humble. They need to minister to other people. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, man, I need this lesson right here. Say, you know, I, God tells me to do all sorts of things, but I tell him no all the time. James 4.10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. You understand that humility comes before promotion. Humility comes before promotion. Before Jacob became prince with, uh, became a prince with God, he had to lose a wrestling match with an angel. Before Joseph was exalted as a sovereign, he was humbled as a son, as a shepherd, as a servant, and as a slave. When we choose the path of humility, we are obeying the precepts, the precepts of the scripture. So maybe you're here tonight and you said, man, I really need to evaluate how I see myself and the tasks that, that I want to do, that I want to do. Maybe we need to say, hey, God, uh, it's, uh, I'm willing to do whatever it is you want me to do. I'm willing to go clean toilets. Hand me the brush. I'm willing to go to the nursery. Hand me the diaper bag. I'm willing to be a greeter. I'm willing name whatever it is that God wants you to do and allow for him and say, God, if you would have me, I would go ahead and do that. So we see the ministration. Next, we're going to take a look at the misunderstanding, the misunderstanding. Verse six, verse six, then cometh he to Simon Peter and Peter saith unto him, Lord, does thou wash my feet? Here's the thing, Peter he always, in several, in several lessons that, we, that we've learned, Peter is so quick to respond. Peter is so quick to respond. And here's the thing. Peter asks the Lord, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? He couldn't believe it. Peter couldn't believe that Jesus, Jesus Christ was washing 
the disciples' feet. And then Jesus comes to him and he's like, whoa, hold up, Peter. Hold up, or hold up Jesus. You're going to wash my feet? You're going to wash my feet? He's skeptical. He's skeptical about it. But here's the thing. Jesus tells him in verse 7, Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Here's the thing. We can go ahead and we can talk about Peter and we can be like, oh man, Peter, he always, he always responds really bad some, a lot of times. And Peter, he's always quick. And why would Peter even question Jesus about washing his feet? Why do we question Jesus whenever he asks us to do something? We're just like Peter. We're just like Peter. And a lot of times we're so quick to say, Psh, Peter, man, he denied Christ three times. He, he questioned Jesus. He questions Jesus about washing his feet. We need to realize, we need to realize that we do the same thing. Before we question Christ, we need to realize that we do not see the things that he does. We do not see the things that he does. Here's the thing. I love going to sporting events. Love going to sporting events. And uh, I, love, I love going to Boise State games, basketball games. I love going to soccer matches. It's so great. And uh, there's different seats that you can get. Right, you can get field level seats, which I've never had before, actually. Right, you can get field level seats before. I've walked in an empty stadium and walked down and kind of know what it's like a little bit. But you can get field level seats where you're like right there and you can see all the actions and it's on the side. You can get nosebleed seats where you go way up high and you can see the full thing. Can I tell you that Jesus, we see things on field level. Jesus see things from the perspective of the blimp. If you ever are in a football game, if you ever look, there's always like a little blimp where you can see the whole entire stadium. You can see the whole stadium, you can see the whole crowd, you can see all the plays, and it's amazing when you see pictures of it. Jesus Christ sees your lives from the blimp. We see our life from the field level. Jesus knows what you're going through. He sees what's happening. He sees the whole thing. And he says, hey, I have a plan for you. I know that you're struggling with this, with this sin. I know that you're struggling with your health. I know that you're struggling with your attitude. I know that you're struggling with this particular person. But I know what is ahead for you. And I want to help you with that. And he'll tell us to do things. But here's the thing. Are you going to tell him no? Just like what Peter was doing. Are you going to question? God, no, I'm not going to do that. God, I'm not going to talk to that person. God, I'm not going to mend this relationship. God, you know, I know what we're doing. We're saying, you're going to wash my feet. Just like what Peter did. Consider God's perspective on our life and understand that he sees much more and much farther than what we can see. Then what happens is Peter, Peter questioned the Lord's action. And then in verse eight, 
Peter said unto him, thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him. And Jesus answered him and said, if I wash thee, not thou hast no part with me. And verse 9, Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, then not my feet only, but also my hands, my head. One can imagine that Peter, he, he always responds either one extreme to another extreme. He always responds to one extreme to another extreme. How many times have we told the Lord no and instead, we give them a different option. God, I, I'm not going to, I don't want to serve in this ministry, but God, I mean, I'm, I really like this ministry. I think you're calling me to this ministry over here. God, no, um, God I know you want me to talk to this person, but you know what I'm going to do instead? I'm going to go and talk to this person. This person has less tattoos. God, I know you want me, God, I know you want me to go ahead and to give a track to this gas station attendant, but I'm really busy right now. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go and I'm just going to leave it on the counter. Like, I'm just going to leave it where nobody else is going to go. And I know you want me to hand it to him, but I'm not going to do that. That's what Peter just did. Peter, Peter said, hey, Peter's like, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, if you have to wash my feet, then don't just wash my feet. Wash my hands. Wash my head. And he told, he was telling Jesus, he was telling Jesus to go ahead and to do stuff further. He was telling him to do stuff further, and he was hasty. It's all one way or the other. Ecclesiastes 5.2, be not rash with thy mouth. Let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God, for God is in heaven and thou upon the earth. Therefore, let thy words be few. James 1.9, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Having first believed that this was wrong, now Peter thought just washing the feet wasn't going to be enough. Just washing the feet wasn't going to be enough. He was trying to add to what Jesus wanted to do. He was trying to add it. Sometimes our zeal for God's word, sometimes we can add some things that that's not what God wants us to do. Sometimes we can look at a, a passage, look at a scripture, like, oh, well, clearly God wants me to do this. And that's not what that scripture says. Sometimes we can add it to God's will. And can I tell you that we need to make sure when we read the Bible, when we study the Bible, that it, we're doing what the Bible is telling us to do and not our own thing. We need to be following what God is wanting us to do. In John 13, 10, Christ teaches Peter and believes and believers alike a tremendous lesson. He that is washed needeth not to save to wash his feet, but it clean every whip, and ye are clean, but not all that lesson dealt with inward cleansing. Here's the thing. With, with that statement, he talks about some cleansing that is happening. The washing of regeneration is only needed one time. It's only needed one time. 
So here's the thing. When we are born, we are born as filthy sinners. Those babies in the nursery, they may be cute. They may be adorable. But can I tell you, they are some wicked sinners, right? The moms and the dads could probably tell you that, right? They, they can probably tell you that. But can I tell you that we are all born sinners? It says in the Bible, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That key word, all, that means everybody. And we are covered in sin. We're dirty. And here's the thing. Jesus Christ made it possible. He came, and this is the passage that we're reading. It's just before his betrayal. But he came and he died on the cross. Why? To pay for our sins. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. So here's the thing. The washing of the regeneration is only needed one time. You only need to get saved one time. You only need to ask Jesus Christ to be your savior one time. And once that happens, that's it. It says you have everlasting life. There's so many people out there that says, oh, well, no, if you, if, you, if you sin again, then you lose your salvation. Or, oh, no, no, you have to give a certain amount to the church. Or, oh, no, you have to, uh, you have to read the Bible a certain amount of times. You have to do this. No, it, you have everlasting life. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when that happens, guess what? We get cleansed. We get clean. But that's not the only cleansing that Jesus is referring to. He's referring to we need to get cleansed on a continual basis. As the dirty feet of, of the people's Jews, guess what? They didn't just go to one house get clean, and then they never got their feet washed ever again. No, guess what? They had to clean their feet a lot. They had to clean their feet a lot of times. Anytime they would go into a house, their feet most likely was going to get clean. They just didn't stay, their feet just didn't stay dirty. Their feet had to get clean. So here's the thing. I recently, a couple months ago, Rachel and I, we had a date night and we did something that was on our bucket list for a while. And what we did is we went painting. We had a paint date night. And uh, I would recommend this to any couple that if you want to have a good time, definitely go ahead and plan one of these. It was a lot of fun. Um, Rachel did a lot of work, okay? I ate a lot of chips and salsa. It was really good, okay? So, but here's the thing. I learned a couple things. I learned that there are different, different paint brushes. I don't know if you know this or not, guys, but all, there, there's different paint brushes that do different things, right? I had no idea. They all look like paint brushes, right? Okay, so I learned that one, you know, the bigger ones are for the bigger strokes, and you're supposed to go ahead, and you're supposed to, uh, you know, for the bigger areas. That was my job. Okay, I got the big brush with the big stroke, right? That was, I was good, set it down, went to go eat some more chips and salsa, okay? The smaller ones, you know, a little bit more detailed, and the smaller you go, the smaller detail that you could do. These were Rachel's paintbrushes, okay? So we were able to go. Now, here's the thing. I also learned that you're supposed to do something with your paintbrushes, after you're done using them. 
You have to have done using them. I think there's there's something wrong with these though. But hold on, let me let me try something out here. Let's see, got a lot of paint on this. I think we're gonna add some of whatever color you would consider this yellow, gold. Okay, hold on. We got some red. We'll get some red going. Okay. Hold on, I'll try the fancy strokes. Nope, doesn't work. What's wrong with my paintbrushes? They have dried paint on them. They have dried paint on them. Here's the thing, the paintbrushes, they're 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 good. They're good and and everything, but they have dried paint on them. And when I try to use them, I can't use them really as well as what I, what I should be able to. You want to know what I have to do? I have to clean my paintbrushes. I have to clean my paintbrushes. When I clean my paintbrushes, you'll notice that there's hardly, there's maybe a little bit remnants of the paint but I got some clean paintbrushes over here. See, these are my paintbrushes, by the way. See how big they are? These are totally meant for me, right? But here's the thing. Now I can use these. I can use these paintbrushes, and I can use do exactly what I'm supposed to and I need to do with them. And so when I get a chance to use the paintbrushes appropriately, I can go ahead and, don't mess it up, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, the paintbrushes, can be used to do something amazing. Can be used to do something amazing. Here's the thing. I could use, I could still use these paintbrushes. They, they'd still work, but they wouldn't work as well as a clean paintbrush. You may say, okay, Brother Z, thank you for the paint lesson. And I, here's the thing, guys. We're like the paintbrush. Yes. Which paintbrush are you? You want to know what happens on a day-to-day -day basis? We get the paint of sin on our life. We maybe laugh at a joke that we shouldn't laugh at at work. Maybe we have a bad attitude. Maybe we skip going to church. Maybe we skip reading our Bible. And guess what happens? We get, we get sin. We get sin on our paintbrush. And guess what happens if we don't go to Jesus? We don't go to God and confess our sins. We don't go to God and we don't, we don't tell them and confess and be repentant of what we did of our bad attitudes. About the way that we treat our spouse the way, uh, maybe the way that we uh, skip our Bible reading. Want to know what happens over time? The paint gets dried. You may say, okay, well, the paint's dried. Here's the thing. I could still use this paintbrush. I can still use it. It, it, it. You know, I can get a little paint off of it and everything. God can still use you. God... God can still use you. But here's the thing. When you let God wash you and cleanse you, get rid of that sin, God can really use you to your full potential.
God can still use you right here. God can still use you. But God can really use you when you have been cleansed. When you have been cleansed. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Brother Z, I'm more like this paintbrush. I've been harboring some sin that nobody knows about. I've been harboring some sin, maybe, maybe attitude, maybe the way you act at work, maybe something on the computer, maybe entertainment. Nobody knows about it, Brother Z. Nobody. God knows about it. When was the last time that you got cleansed? When was the last time you got cleansed? You say, man, Brother Z, I really want God to use me. I want to serve in that ministry. I really want God to do great things with my family. Is your paintbrush like this? Or is your paintbrush like this? Tonight, let's make a choice and say, God, I want to allow you to cleanse me, to confess that sin, to ask God to forgive you of that sin. Now, here's the thing. We're not talking about getting saved over and over again. That's not what this is talking about. Like I stated earlier, once saved, you're always saved. I'm talking about for those of us that are saved, guess what? We can get dirty after a while. Living in this, this sin-filled world, we can have some pain on us. We need to get cleansed. So tonight, maybe you're here and you say, I need to get cleansed. I need that. And tonight, make that choice. Make that choice. We see the, uh, the, uh, the ministration, the misunderstanding, and lastly, the motivation. Why? This is short, and then we will go home. Why does God allow us to be cleansed over and over and over again? It's simple. He loves us. He loves us. A couple of lessons from that, from the motivation. Lesson one is that we ought to serve others. We ought to serve others. Hey, guess what? This isn't just for you. This cleansing thing is not just for you. Guess what? It's for everybody. Maybe you know somebody that's going through a hard time. Maybe you have a family member that is struggling. Maybe you have a friend that is struggling. Can I tell you? Introduce them to Jesus. Introduce them to Jesus. Matthew 28, 18 and 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command. And lo, I am with you always. Amen. Till the end of the world. Amen. We see that we ought to serve others. Next, we see that we need to follow Christ's example. How do we serve others? We become servants. We help people out. Somebody needs a ride to church, we go get them. Somebody is one that comes in and they're a visitor and they, they look completely lost. Remember, it's, maybe it's been a while since you visited a brand new church before. It can be very intimidating, especially on a Sunday morning when the, a lot of times the auditorium is completely full. They have no idea where the children's wing is back there. All they know is they hear, they hear kids, they hear people in here, and they're wandering around. Go and serve them. Help them. Invite them to sit with you. Introduce them to other people. So we see that we ought to serve others. Next, we need to follow the example of Jesus. And the final lesson is in verse 17. The people, therefore, 
Oh, sorry, wrong one. Verse 17, it says, if ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Can you tell you, when we serve Christ and we allow God to use us to our full potential, guess what? We can be happy about it. We can be happy about it. Hey, can I tell you that this, it wasn't just poof and it just appeared out of nowhere. No, you want to know what? This took work. It took a lot of work, actually. And here's the thing, that even though maybe the process, it took a long time, we were tired, exhausted, really full on chips and salsa, okay? Even though this took a long time and the process was very tedious, the end result was amazing. We, me, Rachel and I love this photo. We love this and it hangs, in our live, it hangs on our dine, uh, around our dining room table and we look at it, you know what? The process of cleansing, it may be a little tedious. And it may take some time to say, God, I, I want to be used. I want to be used. And it may take a little bit longer than what we, we think it is. Can I tell you, it's well worth it in the end. It's well worth it to be used by God. Let's not be Eeyore Christians. Everybody's like, man, you're so happy all the time. So, yeah. I have a lot of things to be happy about. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross and paid for my sins. Guess what? When I die, I'm not going to a place called hell. I'm going to this wonderful place called heaven. But man, there's so many times. Man, people get saved. Everybody's like, amen. No, people get saved. Hey, praise the Lord. That is awesome. Greatest decision. Hey, can I tell you, we just recently had baptisms. You know, there's churches out there that would love to have had the people that got baptized that many baptisms in one night. Man, praise the Lord for that. People are following in believers' baptism. People are joining the church. We have a choir. We we are singing. And it's great, can I tell you guys, that there is joy when we come and we get to be used by God. So maybe you're here tonight. And you say, man, you know what? I don't, have, I don't have the joy. I don't have the joy. Maybe evaluate your life. Maybe think about, go back to when God saves you, when God saved you, and realize where he has taken you from and where he has taken you to. Which paintbrush are you? Tonight, let's make a choice. Let's not leave tonight without making a choice. Let's allow God to cleanse us on a daily basis. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. As the piano player comes, Lord, I just ask, Lord, that you would be with this time. And Lord, I'm not sure what what points maybe spoke to certain people, but God, you know. And God, I pray if there's anybody in here that that doesn't know you as their savior, that they would make that decision tonight. Maybe if there's somebody online that doesn't know, Lord, that they would reach out. God, I pray for those that are here that maybe they are, they are covered with the sin, with the paint of sin. And God, it's been a while since they've allowed you to cleanse them. And God, I pray that if there is that, Lord, that they would allow for you to take them through that cleansing process. God, I pray for those that maybe are here and they don't have the joy, the joy of allowing you, uh, of allowing you to use them. 
God, I pray that you would stir them up, Lord. I pray that you would stir something up in their hearts and that they would commit to, to being happy and to have joy of serving you. Lord, we love you and we praise you and be with this time. Why don't we go ahead and stand to our feet? The altar is open as Brother Nate goes heads and leads in a chorus.